Welcome to Detox to Rehab's True Stories of Addiction podcast series. Today's guest is Mark as he shares his story of recovery. I come from the state of New Jersey. Um, I come from a family of six. I have two brothers, um, my sister. I'm the middle child. I'm the first in my family to get this disease of addiction. Grew up in a pretty, a fairly decent home. Wasn't a, a child of neglect, wasn't a child of abuse. I come from an Italian-American family. And you had to yell to get your point across. I always felt different from everyone else, and I always felt like I stood out, and I just never knew what that was. When I was like seven or eight, I stole money from my grandmother. I put it behind the couch and went and looked for it. Normal seven-year-old kids don't do stuff like that. You know, it's not normal. Couldn't read very well. Um, I was diagnosed with a learning disability when I was in like sixth grade. A lot of the children um, that I grew up with uh, were like, where are you? Where, where do you go? Kids made fun of me and um, they would call it the retard room. I defended myself a lot, um, got into a lot of fights. I was kind of forced into smoking marijuana for the first time. Drank a few times at like four, yeah, 14, 15, hated to taste the beer, was disgusting, I didn't like it, nah, I didn't do nothing. Then I discovered weed again, and then I got high and I enjoyed it. Once I found something to drink that I enjoyed the taste of, I loved it. When I started doing cocaine, it made me feel comfortable who I was. I went to rehab when I was 16, I went to rehab when I was 17, I went to rehab when I was 18, I went to rehab when I was 19. I got into a car accident, um, I got three metal plates around my face. Um, my skull cracked from here to here. I died for two minutes and 30 seconds. I was in a coma for two days and 40 minutes. Parents signed some waivers. If I didn't make it, take me off life support. In my mind, I just thought that I beat death. So I felt invincible, more or less. When it first happened, it, was, it really jacked my face up and um, fueled more of my drug use. Um, found out if you drank on seizure medication, you get drunk really quick. Had everyone on my side, no matter what I ever did, I was a great master manipulator. I was able to do that because of drugs and alcohol. I mean, I played sports, but you know, drugs became more, more, more to me than anything else. Like I said to you, I didn't have to do drugs to fit in, but they made me feel okay with who I was. I got an insurance settlement from you know the car accident, and of course, what does someone that's um, doing drugs do? I went out and bought a fancy car and huge bonds, got this fancy car. Parents uh, told me I had to sell this fancy car in order to pay for my lawyer. Did a year in county jail in two separate counties. Tried the geographical change that we talk about in the program that I'm involved in. And um, I went to South Carolina with money and just as sick as I was and um, went there in destruction. Ripped through the little bit of money I had left. Um, found out they have a lot more cocaine in South Carolina better than New York and New Jersey, and got hooked lickety-split. No matter where I went, I took me with me and took my disease with me, and I just destroyed everything that's ever come in my path. Every weekend, I went in a club at 11 o'clock and came out at 8, because for those few hours of the night, there's nothing mattered. Life stopped when I went into these clubs, and that's what I needed. I failed. Um, while I failed, I grabbed another hostage, thought that having a baby and... This was what society wanted, and I needed what society did, you know, and I needed a good job, and I had a good job. I was in the union, and, uh, you know, and I, and I thought this is what I needed. This woman that I was with, that I had a child with, she had an eating disorder. She was one of them. She was an alcoholic as well. Um, I thought I could save her, um, and the whole time I was miserable because I was trying to save her and be a dad, and I was a wreck. I had no solution in my life. I had, no, I had nothing to, to grab onto, but... I was going to these meetings. So I do what other people tell me to do. I divorce her and get full custody of my two kids now. She went off to a rehab in South Carolina 
And um, I went off to one in North Carolina. Went to church and did the Bible studies, and I was good, very peaceful. And she said, you did change. And I said, I know I did. You know, and she's like, well, what step are you on? I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you're not on any steps? I'm like, no, I have Jesus. And she's like, you need the steps. And I'm like, no, I have Jesus. Sure enough, I fell flat on my face because I moved to the community that she was living in, and they were all about steps and all about AA, and I knew nothing. I knew about the book, and I read it a little bit and had a sponsor, but I was doing the Christian-based. I was doing the religious thing. What, of course, happens is I relapse, introduced to Oxycontin, smoking crack now because I love the cocaine. I have no solution in my life, and I was doing um, Oxycontin and smoking crack, so I was probably um, withdrawing at the same time and being in my mom's house again at like, you know, like 36 or something is just like, with your kids and not living in a solution. It's craziness, you know? I left my children for someone else's children. I was taking care of someone else's children. Um, I resented her children because I resented myself. And I was doing, uh, I was hooked on uh, Roxy's. I was on methadone. I always did cocaine. I was really mean to her children because I wanted to be with my children. Basically what it comes down to is I was so sick and so down on myself like I always was for years and years. Um, I just did more and more drugs. I just did more Roxy's. I just drank more liquor, did more cocaine. Um, tried to do the geographical change once again. Went to Kentucky, bad idea. A person like me does not belong in Kentucky. And they have more pills in Kentucky than they do anywhere else. Um, got really hooked on pills, came back from South Carolina. And while I went to Kentucky, my brother took custody of my two oldest children. Everyone just can shut me down at this point. My, my mom doesn't want nothing to do with me. Um, she's so angry and upset with me. I mean, I'm 43 years old and I can't stop shooting cocaine. Um, I lost my job. And then my brother gets in touch with um, a man in a treatment center. I went to a treatment center out here in Arizona and um, my brother texts me and tells me to get to get to the bus station. There's a non-refundable bus ticket waiting for you. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, non-refundable? Well, I get to the bus station. That bus ticket was like 300 and something dollars. That's why it was non-refundable. And my brother knew what was, what was still going on with me. He knew that um, if I didn't get somewhere that I probably would have still used drugs. And um, yeah, I, I probably would have if... I, I actually did. I um, smoked weed and drank a lot on the bus. But what happened to me on that bus ride, it was two and a half days. And what happened to me on that bus ride is um, when God came to me and spoke to me. I see families coming on this bus. And I'm sitting in the back all shriveled up and skinny and just looking like death. And um, I see moms giving their children stuff out of their backpacks, like Cheerios and like a little iPod thing for them to read or give them their phone. And... Um, I realized at that point in time that I've been so absent in my children's lives that I know nothing about them. I've been so absent in life that I don't even know what end is up. And um, I made a decision and I surrendered on that, on that bus and I said, whatever it takes when I get to Arizona, I'm going to do whatever it takes. For the first time in my life, I left my old life on, on that road. I left it, you know, and I, and I, and I uh, surrendered to God. I met a man that helped me go through the steps. My life changed inside this rehab because I surrendered. I no longer was fighting anything any longer. And I started doing everything that comes out of that book. And I started praying and I started meditating and I started talking to the God of my understanding. I forgave myself for everything that I did wrong. And I worked the steps. 
Went through all 12 of them, just like it says, from 1 to 12. I didn't skip. I did everything it said to me. I did a fearless moral inventory. Um, I sat down with another man, did a fifth step, like it says. I made a list. Um, like uh, I made some amends on phone. That's um, a lifelong process. Most of all, my mom answers the phone when I call now. Um, my brother and I slightly talk to each other. I, I lost my family. I lost my children. Uh, countless material things that I lost. That, I, that I'll never get back, but um, I got me back. I got out of the way and like got in. If I could sit here with over a year sober and love my life today because of recovery, anybody can do this. Anybody can. I haven't shot cocaine in over a year and two months. Um, I have an absolutely wonderful life today. I can pick up the phone at any point in time and know that someone's gonna be on the other end. I have sponsees. I am someone's sponsor. You know, um, I take them through the book the same way I was taken through it. You know, it's unity, recovery, and service. That's our triangle. And that's the code that we live by. It's not a cult. It's not a religious thing. It's a spiritual thing. When you stop and realize that the way what we were doing was wrong and, and succumb to this way of life, you can do anything. Thank you for listening. Please join us next week as we share more true stories of addiction. 